Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics. Featuring occasional injections of Roman innuendo all up with a fire panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Rush Darwish and Republican Jeannie Ives, and later in the broadcast, Professor Charles Stewart from MIT. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks very much for joining us tonight from our flagship station, uh, AM560 WYND in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Phone lines open 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. Lots to talk about in that second hour. We're going to be joined by Charles Stewart, who is one of the country's leading experts on voting rights, and he's going to he's going to try to peel the onion and take us sort of uh, be, you know in deep into the subject of voting rights and uh, where are things fair, where are things not so fair, and uh, also talk about the comparison from state to state. So a really good discussion in hour number two, but we will begin with a great discussion in hour number one. We have a Republican and a Democrat. They both ran for Congress. They were both unsuccessful. So they're both experts. They know exactly what to do, what not to do. And uh, I want to begin, uh, Rush, with you, because you're, you're a Democrat. Um, Joe Biden uh, apparently, you know, picked a fight with Republicans with some pretty brutal rhetoric uh, in Georgia this week about voting rights. But the, the, the narrative around Joe Biden for the last uh, month, almost month and a half, has been uh, whether there may be a challenge to him, whether he's up to it. Uh, he's only a year into his presidency. Are you, as a Democrat, are you, um, first of all, do you agree? I mean, when you're amongst Democrats, uh, is there this type of conversation and worry about the president? No, I think this is the political climate that we live in, Bruce. Uh, if you're a Republican, uh, the Democrats and the left are going to come after you like never before and try and discredit you now. President Joe Biden, who inherited an unbelievable uh, bag of bad eggs, if you will, with COVID-19, an economy that's spiraling out of control. So he has a lot to deal with right from the get-go. And yes, there are people that are out to discredit him. But I do think when you look at everything that he's had to deal with since he took presidency, overall, he is doing fine. Now, he's not lights out, but I don't think there's a president on this planet. There is not a leader on this planet who took over as president of the united states is able to fix all the problems that our country's facing okay. in just a year and a half genie Gene, uh, re, re, reaction to you is now are you are you gleeful that at least the the, the national media and even the the sympathetic national media seems to be questioning uh whether this guy has the uh, the gumption to continue his president successfully well, look, I mean, you don't have to go past the polls. I, what, his approval rating has sunk to 33%. And today on Maria Bartiromo's show, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jordan says, I want to know who the 33% are, because obviously nothing has worked out for Joe Biden. He was going to solve COVID. He was going to get the economy rolling. He was going to handle foreign policy. He was supposed to be an expert in foreign policy, which we know he's not. And it's been one debacle after another. He's gotten nothing done, literally nothing done. This is the first time, you know, that you've ever seen a presidency that is literally a lame duck in its first year. Are you worried on the issue of foreign policy, uh, Rush, because uh, uh, the world is waiting now as to what Vladimir Putin is going to do uh, with his troops? Uh, do you think the, the apparent invasion 
uh, that the Russians might be planning, is that going to be something that the United States is going to sit by and let happen? Or are there things that Joe Biden and Congress can do to stop it? Well, there's no doubt that you should always keep your eyes and ears open when it comes to Russia. Russia, Although Donald Trump thinks Russia and Vladimir Putin is our friend, not even close. But right now, the focus for the United States and the economy still revolves around COVID-19. How are we able to get the shipments in into this country this okay. we have an economic crisis that's happening here in the united states and well let me remind you Jeannie wants to talk can about how both? bad biden is can we do both though you you both? have to when we you're the president you yeah, have right, to yeah. but i want to remind Jeannie, we had a president uh, about two years ago that was talking about injecting uh uv rays putting bleach all over you all types of incredibly that horrific messages true. that okay. donald trump was putting on the podium when he was president thank goodness at least we have one a president now that has a clear message and that's to get is vaccinated and wear your mask is it, is it possible Jeannie ives do you think it's possible for the democrats between now and november to carry a message to the pe- people to uh, mm-hmm. to vote on in November that doesn't include the name Donald Trump. Can they do it? <clears throat> oh, no, they can't. In fact, that's the only cudgel that they think that they have mm. is to say it's going to go, you know, we're going to have Don- Donald Trump back in office, which right now I think the majority of Americans want somebody like Donald Trump back in office, if not him himself. No and polling backs that up. that's because of the policies, and that's because of his policies. Biden is a failure. Kamala is a failure. People, I mean, there's one meme after another meme about these people. They're a joke. Uh, I, I love the one where, um, you know, he, he invokes the names of Bull Connor, Jefferson Davis, George Wallace. Do you want to be like them? Hey, they're all Democrats. I mean, so he can't. He, there's nothing that can really save his presidency at this point. Senator Dick, Durbin, Senator Dick Durbin said that, that Joe Biden went a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell said he didn't recognize the person that gave the speech in Atlanta because they've known each other for 30 plus years. When you heard the speech and the rhetoric, did, your, uh, did you cringe at all thinking that it might have gone too far? Well, I think that the reality <clears throat> is this. And, and again, I call things the way they are. It's not about just being I a Democrat so. and just trying to, to sing the Democratic line. The fact is this. There comes a point when it comes to voter rights and when it comes to saying things, you do have to back it up. And yes, when Joe Biden was screaming, I'm tired of being quiet, I'm tired of being quiet, I felt that was a bad look because as a president, we need to learn, especially from the past president, you have to be all about action. And when he came out like that, it is a bad look because as a president, you should never be quiet. Or say the things that he said? You have to You have to be able to not just say it, you have to be able to do certain things. And yes, I think a lot of people were, you know, it was taken a little off-putting. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's enough to affect him as a president or call him a lame duck president. Does does that language in Atlanta, Jeannie, and, uh, you know, you, you, you come from a suburban Republican background, and it is allegedly suburban Republican women that turned on Donald Trump. I don't know whether the facts mm-hmm. prove that or not, but right. certainly the, the, the popular narrative is that suburban Republican women were turned off by the rhetoric of Donald Trump. Uh, could they be turned off by the rhetoric of Joe Biden, especially if they thought that he was going to be a healer and a uniter? Well, suburban Republican women and actually suburban Democrat women at this point are turned off by the massive amounts of crime you see. And it's not just in the Chicago suburbs. It's it's across the nation. Crime has spiked. It's at its records high in a number of major cities. 
it's at a you know a 25-year high in the city of Chicago itself. And the crime is what he, he's going to have to answer for and the schools. So the schools are a disaster, and, and now people are waking up do you to that. Cr- do you blame the crime on the president, whether it's this president or the past president? Absolutely. I, I definitely bl- I do blame the crime on the president. I think that there's been a Both lack presidents. of accountability. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I can't are we, say are that we that's acting, true. So people started killing each other just the last 16 months. No, they didn't. They okay, actually didn't. So that, so that means you, you is, have to at least acknowledge that okay, it's more but, than one okay, president. Well, let's just take We've a got local a example. We've got to pause. We've got to pause. We've got to let we, President Trump's we got, we got, policies come in, got, and now we, she's we, begging well, for him. We've got, we got a point. Uh, we got a break. I'll let you make that point when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border and around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. 
Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thanks very much for joining us. 1-800-723-8289 is uh, the phone number. Uh, let's, let's get into to some of the issues that you think are going to be most important. And I want to begin with you, Arush, by talking about inflation, because I think that's the issue next to COVID. Probably COVID is number one, but people want to talk about that as well. How much credit or blame uh, should a president get uh, for inflation? And and what can President Biden do about it? Yeah, well, as a small business owner and as the president of a business association, uh, I think the president has to accept the glory when things are going great in the economy. We point to the president, even though they don't deserve it all. But at the same time, when the economy starts to tank, yes, people are going to point to the president. At this point, President Joe Biden is going to have to figure out a path that's going to find a way to get these, literally, get these uh, these shipments that come in, get them open, and get them off the, uh, you know, off the train, off the ship, and get these products to people. Because that's our problem right now. We have thousands of shipments that are just staying right there. And that, that is a huge problem. It didn't start with Joe Biden, by the way. It started with President Trump. It's, you can't really blame a president, but it, it's their responsibility to figure out. To just get, to on get that it out. point, Jeannie, follow up. To, no president should be blamed for that? Well, there's uh, certainly there's blame to go around um, across the board. Let's, you know, from the financial markets to <clears throat> the shipping problems, whatever. But the, the truth is, is that presidential policies do impact economics. And what is the master resource? Well, it's energy. And under uh, President Trump, we were energy independent, which means that you were paying a lot less for your energy, which is a cost factor in nearly everything you do, everything you ship, every place you want to go. Energy is a factor. And energy, we're not no longer energy independent. It is a resource that's put that? into everything. No, no absolutely we are not. not. Energy you have to look at yeah. things the way they are. You have a bunch of products from cars to parts to goods to even grocery store items that are in crates. We have to find a way to get people back to work. That were, is not pay, were, we, them, were, wages. Were, we, were we energy independent during the presidency of Donald Trump? Yes or no, in your view? No. I no, mean, okay. oh, go ahead. just because yes, you we push. Were. Okay. Jeannie okay, says yes. yes. We, were. We, are, we are a net down. exporter okay. of oil, for example. Okay. And now that's no longer the case. And now, and now Biden's going to Saudi Arabia and said, please sell us some oil. I, I mean, come on. You can, the facts are the facts. We, we are always dependent on oil on a foreign I, level. We just okay. we didn't create oil just all on our own. That's just not true. We well, are buying oil well, from well, Iran. Well, we're buying oil from Saudi Arabia. One at a time. Let Jeannie finish up her point, and then we're going to go back to you. So the point is, there's been other inf- inflationary pressures, like all this massive COVID spending that has happened over both presidencies. I agree. But we're now seeing the fruition <clears throat> of it. And part of the problem with some of your supply problems is the fact that you still don't have people back to work completely as well. So you've why got all these your, issues. Why, in your opinion, this is an opinion question, um, why, in your opinion, Rush, are so many people choosing not to apply for the thousands of jobs that apparently are there to be. Yeah, had. and I hope, and I'm glad that Jeannie's here. I hope she's wearing her seatbelt for this one. Jeannie's <laughs> going to stretch a little bit when it comes to energy uh, and connecting it to shipment. The fact is this. A lot of people want to take jobs that are virtually, and they're well-paid jobs, and they can work from home. Yes. Those are the hot jobs right now. These jobs that pay $12, $15 an hour. 
middle-class, blue-collar America no longer want those jobs. That's why we have a shortage. So how do you solve that? Are you sitting down, Jeannie? Oh, I know what you're going to say. You've got to loosen up your immigration policy. You have to make sure to have more work visas because the fact is this. You're going to have small businesses, restaurants, uh, all these shipping areas where the crates are full. If you don't start hiring laborers from overseas... A lot of people are going to go out of business. So my question to you so is, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me re-ask the question again. Why is it that so many Americans right now, they've either left their job and not gone back, or they're not applying for these jobs that are available? Not the, they're not all 12 to $15 an hour, okay? There's a, there's a lot more out there. Why is it that the American, for, forget the foreign worker for the timing, why is it that so many Americans have given up on it? And I'll make this quick because I know Jeannie has her opinion on this as well. Uh, my yeah. family, we're in the shoe business, okay? Yeah. And a lot of folks during COVID-19, they got stimulus checks. And while they were getting their checks, they didn't go back to work, a lot of them. They were getting these checks, 2000 3000 yes. a month. And then unemployment or the stimulus ran out. But a lot of folks, mm. it hit them right there. When they were off for three, four months, they realized that, they are working for 1000 a month, $1,500 a month, uh, when they were receiving it free from the government. So what ended up happening is... So they is got lazy. They got lazy, but at the same time, they got smart and started to realize, wait a second here, I want, I want this kind of living for me. I want opportunities that pay me a real wage, a real living wage, and a lot of people... So by quitting and not going for a job, that's the way they didn't quit. They got smart. It gave them an opportunity to what think. What do they do? What they, they are now, now what they are doing now is they're either looking for work that pays better or my wife works for a junior college they're now taking courses six week courses eight week courses getting certified and finding job that pays over twenty dollars okay, an now, hour versus ten or twelve dollars an hour Jeannie, I have same question to you why in your view Jeannie, are so many Americans apparently not looking for work not going back to the to the jobs that are there is it because they're not getting paid enough money, or were they seduced by all of the government uh, stimulus money and well, became lazy? You know, <clears throat> certainly the government uh, support has helped a tremendous amount of people make other choices in their life. So if the job was not paying what they wanted it to, if it wasn't actually meeting their needs, you know, psychologically or whatever reason, then they, and, and if the government's still paying them to stay home, then they're going to stay pay. You know, deal with that. You still have this uh, per child uh, tax support, 300 bucks a month. That's significant to a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. And it may allow them the freedom to just stay at home and, and maybe not take that job. And, you know, as far as we want, you know, mothers to be at home with children, that's great. But we also have a, an economy that is struggling to find enough workers. And so when you want to talk about immigration, great. Let's talk about legal immigration. Absolutely. We do not have legal immigration at the southern okay. border. We have a disaster at but, the southern border. Jean, and what we have is a lot of people coming in, taking up a lot more government okay. supports. And that is uh, Am I able to ask a question well? for Jeannie yes, right here on the program? Yes. Sorry to sure. jump in, Bruce, because you are great yes. at asking the questions. But would you be in favor of loosening up the work visa policy that we currently have right now to allow more, and I hate to use this word, unskilled workers to take on a lot of these jobs that a lot of people here in the United States are saying, I don't want to work anymore. Would you be willing to loosen them up? To bring in, to bring in more people to fill jobs that here in America, our kids don't want these jobs. 
Well, here in America, then our kids need to figure out how to work if they're, they're not working. Uh, additionally, how are they supporting themselves? And when you talk about kids, what are you talking about? Are you talking about kids 18 to 22 that aren't in college? Mm. Are you, what are you talking we're about? Talking about we're yeah, because, I'm talking so about. That, that is the deal. That's, this, <clears> wait, <throat> that's the conundrum because we could get down in the weeds here if we wanted to. Yeah. The conundrum in is, is if you bring in these guest workers, to what then are they given advantage to the other parts of the American support system? That is a huge cost. What are you going to do? Put them on a path to citizenship? What are you going to do? Are they going to be eligible for all sorts of other government benefits? You tell me what this guest worker program defines to you. Let's talk about the legal immigration system for which we have a number of people that are waiting in line and figure out how to loosen up that. All right, so Jenny, it looks like you... Let's take care of illegal immigration, which is what the American people have always been concerned about, which this president has a disaster, by the way. He's not going to get reelected I'm loving this right here. Me and Jenny, we're cool. On that alone, he's not going to get Me and Jenny are cool now. One day we're going to go out and have some coffee. Okay. Because this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you can have, which we've been preaching about, and I've been preaching about this forever, nobody is saying that we support, or as a Democrat, or me as a person, supports anybody coming in this country illegally. Yes, All we, we are saying is, is we need to have a path for citizenship or work visas that makes it a little bit easier to have people come to this country, moms, dads, and they can have an opportunity to work. What should that work. path look but, like? What should that, I want to get everybody's response. By the way, let me mention, our phone number is 1-800-723-8289. I got a, a, a note that uh, people are complaining on our YouTube feed that they can't get through to the phone number. So oh. I want to make sure that the phone is uh, alive and well. 1-800-723-8289. Define, if you will. Here we go. I'll make it the simple. Path, the path to citizen. I, I'm going to make it, it simple. If you, if you do that, of course, you're going to have what I call the proper <clears throat> paperwork. But let's just simplify it. Let's start with the one-year visa. A one-year visa that says that you are going to work, that you will have a, a tax ID number that says you are working in this country, you're not committing crimes, you're a good, upstanding person, and that you are here to work. And after one year, if you're able to pass that test, then you can get renewed again. Let's start with that, Jeannie. What do you say? Come on, one year, a one-year visa. Let's, okay. let's give them an opportunity let's, to work. Uh, Jeannie? I, I'm a little bit concerned about where that path leads in the end because if you think that they can jump a, an immigration line to then become a citizen, I would have a problem with that. No jumping the line. I'm saying that's a starting point. They have to work. They got to work. Come to yes, this country of they have to work. and they pay have your to taxes. No, no, no. That's not right. just come to work. You must pay your taxes and you must stay crime-free. You so cannot come already, to this country. We already have this type of a program. Okay, and we also have it for highly skilled workers. It just seems that some of these companies, what they like to do is hire the foreign workers at a less cost than our highly skilled workers coming out of our universities. That is also something we need to take care of as well. What do we need to do with them? Do they need to be punished? Do we need penalties for those companies? That are not operating in the best interest of our citizens? Okay. You know what? I, well, want, I want to hear Jeannie's okay, response sorry. to that. Yep. Well, it's not, a, it's not an easy topic to solve. I'm just going to be honest with you because I've talked to also people who hire foreign workers yeah. to come in and want those and need those workers too. And it's and they've not always an had the they've always they've always had the protection of many Republicans in the House, including Paul Ryan. One of the reasons why there wasn't much advancement in this issue is when he was Speaker, these people, the Chamber of Commerce, they had him captive. Back shortly, one eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. I'm Bruce Dumont.
This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces. Just by giving her a bear hug, she masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Bruce Dumont back. Thank you very much for joining us wherever you're listening from coast to coast and border to border. Uh, whether it's on uh, Facebook, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on BeyondTheBeltway.com, whether it's on 35 radio stations all over the country, wherever you find us, uh, uh, we're pretty hard to miss. Just remember, BeyondTheBeltway.com. If you got a computer, you can you can find us. Uh, our guest this evening are Rush Darwish. He's a Democrat. Jeannie Ives is the Republican, and we're going to give them each uh, about 20 seconds to describe... Uh, who they are and a little bit about uh, their background and what they're doing now. They each have run for political 
office. They ran for uh, Congress from the Chicago land area. Uh, each was uh, defeated, and we should also mention that Jeannie ran for the Republican nomination for governor of Illinois and came very, very close mm-hmm. uh, to defeating uh, Bruce Rauner, but uh, uh, has then gone the congressional route. So, Jeannie, uh, uh, what's the update on you? Well, I'm a West Point graduate and a mother of five children. My oldest is getting married, so that's kind of an update this summer. So got a lot going on. Uh, but politically speaking, I am helping uh, Republicans get elected in the state of Illinois and, uh, you know, very much working on communications, too, because um, I think we have the right message. I think we have to communicate it better. So I've been working on that with a not-for-profit and also a for-profit company. Uh, An Illinois question, because we do have many listeners in Illinois. Uh, The Republicans look like they're going to have a very busy uh, gubernatorial primary with about five or six candidates. Is there anyone in that group that has attracted your attention and you're supporting at the moment? Uh, no, I am staying out of the primary, and I will support whoever our, our nominee is. Are there folks in that group that I prefer? Absolutely, but I will keep that to myself at this point. Okay, but you'll tell us at some point. Bruce, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, one one leader in Illinois, and I've got to do a little follow-up on this, who has been very successful in throwing a lot of money around, Ken Griffin yes. uh, from Citadel, uh, he he wants to defeat uh, J.B. Pritzker as our incumbent governor in a big, big way. He was a big supporter of Bruce Rauner, the last Republican to be elected, who you ran against yes, in the was. primary. Um, he has suggested, he, he's, he apparently has a pet candidate that may be introducing uh, himself mm-hmm. to the voters of Illinois tomorrow. He's the African-American Republican mayor of Aurora, Illinois, which is the second or third largest city in the state. Uh, is that someone that you are interested in or uh, because he has the support of Ken Griffin, as did Bruce Rauner, uh-huh. does that person become less interested to you if he's coming with, obviously, a lot of money behind him? Uh, first of all, I really do <clears throat> not know personally Mr. Griffin at all. I've met him one time and had a short conversation with him. He's a very nice man. He's very generous in donating <clears throat> his money mm-hmm. to causes that he believes in and to, uh, for you know causes on the political front that te- are, tend to be more conservative. That said, I disagree with the narrative that he has picked uh, the mayor of Aurora as his governor candidate. I okay. disagree with that. I think he's undecided, honestly. He's looking for whoever can beat J.B. Pritzker. Um, however, there is another consortium that includes people close to Ken that have put together this sort of slate. Um, I don't think it's going to work out, and um, I'm not a fan of it. Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not a fan of the candidate from Aurora. Don't really know him that well. Okay, uh, don't like his <clears throat> politics from what I've seen. Okay. Bruce, I'm, I'm ready that. to make my Republican endorsement for governor right here. I thought you were I going know, to announce. Yeah, no, not ready yet. Unfortunately, <laughs> my, my $5,000 is not going to get me far. <laughs> so Jeannie's being conservative. She's being a strategist. I appreciate that and respect that. But you know what? I'm coming out here right now tonight. I am endorsing Mancal Muller to be the Republican oh, nominee. Wow. This is a shock jock like no other. other. He, is a, he is the Trump card of the Republican Party here in Illinois. He's an independent. Though. He is running as an independent, but he <clears throat> is a longtime Republican, conservative-type individual who will get Republican support. He has what I call, once again, Trump card uh, tactics, Itis. if you will. Itis. A little bit. 
So here we go, Gene. If you want Tell to endorse everybody. today's well, I with know the Man Cow. So. We all know Man Cow. <laughs> we all, he will be an exciting candidate. I'm telling my you, question, watch out. My question to you is, tell everybody a little bit about your yeah, background. Thank you very much. Rush Darwish, uh, organizer, humanitarian, president of the Arab American Business and Professional Association. And since the campaign, after I got handed, you know, my life handed to me uh, in the 2020 election, I started an organization called the Refugee Life Foundation that supports various uh, refugee causes. I'm also a small business owner, rush photography and video productions. Matter of fact, right here in the Schomburg area, we just did a bridal show. That's right, an honest living. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to politics and helping out Democrats, I do help. Um, but I will tell you that uh, I, I wouldn't call myself somebody who's deeply involved with certain candidates, but of course would love to see Democrats succeed okay. if they are good and they're working for everyday people, not somebody who's full of BS. Now, one of the persons that you ran against, you ran against a conservative uh, 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 incumbent, mm -hmm. uh, Lipinski, Congressman Lipinski. And uh, there was a Marie Newman, who That's was right. the most liberal person in that race. That's right. And she won and you didn't. Yes, all right. Now, she is now running for re-election, mm -hmm. but she is running for re-election against the Democrat that defeated Jeannie yes. Ives yeah. for Fascinating. Yeah, that's right. Crazy how the, the power of redistricting. <laughs> and I think that's going to be now an interesting race. But if you look at that race right now, when you think about the redistricting, mm -hmm. it is designed, unfortunately, whether it was a personal attack against Marie Newman or not, mm -hmm. but the new district definitely favors someone like Sean Kasson. The region is not what we call a, a hard left region. It's more of a center left region, which fits Sean Kasson. Matter of fact, the areas where Marie Newman was successful in the old third district, well, guess what? Those areas have been pushed into another district, making this a huge mountain to climb for Marie Newman. But for someone like myself who ran against Newman, who also from afar has watched Sean Kasson, I will say, Newman is not somebody be, to be taken lightly. She's as tough as it gets, but Kasson's also as smart as it gets, so it should be an interesting race. Okay, and there are several congressional districts in Illinois uh, that are up for grabs. In fact, uh, that is generally the case in most states uh, that carry this program beyond mm -hmm. the Beltway. So we will talk about that as Campaign 22 continues. But we had we have two people with at least semi-interest in, in what's happening there. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeannie, you wanted to make a point? Uh, just a point that Sean... Sean, Sean Kasson has one of the most partisan voting records, even a more partisan voting record than AOC. So he's actually an extremist. He's not a moderate, although people like to sell him that way. So this is going to be a very interesting dis uh, race. The Democrats, personally, I think, don't like either one. They don't like Marie Newman, and they don't like Sean Kasson. And so the initial map had them put together. Marie Newman cried foul. Sean Kasson cried foul, and they separated them. And now this district, though, has 40% of Marie Newman's old district and only about 23% of Sean Caston's. So it is up for grabs. However, that district is ripe for the picking, and I think a Republican mm. takes it, and I think that Republican's going to be the, uh, uh, a mayor who's done a fantastic job in that area. Okay. We have to pause uh, and uh, take some calls now. Uh, the call the line is working, and uh, we don't know whether they're listening on YouTube or Facebook or whether they're getting off a Dixie cup and a string, however they're getting us tonight. We're making it all the way to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where wow. Brian is listening. Go ahead. Uh, you're on the air, Brian, from Albuquerque. Hey, good evening. How are you? You hear me? Yes. Great. Uh, How are you here? Enjoying watching the Cowboys lose this afternoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How are, you listening to, how are you listening to us tonight? <laughs> 
YouTube. I'm YouTubing it. YouTube, okay. I good. used to live in the Chicagoland area, so I'm a longtime listener of your show, Bruce. Very good. Appreciate um, it. What can we do for you? My, my comment says, I want to comment on a Democratic Party nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an independent, and we all know what troubles the Republicans have. But let's focus on the <clears throat> Democrats. I think Biden and whoever is leading the party needs to stifle the far left, because if they don't tack back to the center... They're going to get their heads handed to them. Most average Americans have a sense of fairness and what's right in life. And what we hear from the Democrats is you can do anything you want to in life, and we will always step in and take care of you. And if you're a a vicious criminal, well, we'll cut your sentence short in prison, and we'll let you back out and give you another chance. So the Democrats need to buck up and get real and realize these are serious times, and Trump is a serious threat. And if they don't get back to the center and talk about limits and responsibility for all American citizens, well, they will lose. Brian, give us, a, give us an example, if you will, okay? Because you, you, you've said things that, that Republicans have said about Democrats for a long time. But can you be specific? What, what is it that, where is it that the political left in AOC have won thus far. Where are they winning? Well, they're dominating the media. You know, our media is very siloed now. It's very siloed. I hear, I mean, the the only media outlets you hear people on the left is MSNBC, Tom Hartman, some other talkers. But the general, all you hear is Bernie Sanders, AOC, and the other squad members. How has that, but how has that, how has that gone, how, how has that, translated into a legislative victory. I mean, I, I agree with you that the news media, and, and primarily, uh, the, first of all, they love challengers. I don't care whether the challenger is left or right. They love challengers. They love the bomb throwers. They love the Matt Gates. They love the AOC. They, lo- they love the Marjorie Taylor Greens. So the, the extremes always gather the media attention. But where is it, other than the fact that she is an attractive uh, candidate from New York, wh- what influence is she really having other than in, in, in print ink and media exposure and magazine well, covers? Does, but who does? So what is Nancy Pelosi doing? You know, all I hear out of Democratic well, leadership is, let all the immigrants in. If they're illegal, so what? And let them stay. It's always, oh, well, give them money. Oh, well, take care of them. Oh, well, let them stay. It's always the solution is always to just give them money, give them support, give it, give it, give it, and then raise taxes to the sky. When we come back. And most Americans know that okay. that's not fair. You've made your point. When we come back, Rush Darwish is going to answer the question. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. 
Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family and community lending their strength and support. Join the voices for recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. Nice to have you with us. And uh, Rush Darwish was going to respond to our caller from uh, Albuquerque, Brian. Uh, who was basically saying that AOC and the, the left wing of the party is, is dominating the party. And uh, I was sort of challenging that and suggesting that certainly they're dominating the media, but that's about it. Rush? Well, when you talk about the left, I think because of somehow, some way, the tone that some of the prominent individuals project, it's a tone that does come across of, as aggressive, sometimes arrogance, but... When you talk about the left and the overall ideology, I find it hard for anybody to oppose this one word and one word only, and that's equality. The most important thing that AOC or Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar are trying to show everyone is that there is a huge inequality issue from city to city, uh, whether it's schools, jobs, uh, pay wages, so on and so forth. Uh, there is a huge gap between white America and black and brown America, and the general ideology is that we need to have a system that works for everyone, and it is equal. 
And unfortunately, yes, because there's opposition to that and because some of the ideas are what we call new ideas and new legislation, and everyone knows if you are in law and if you are in government, it takes years upon years to push that legislation. It's not going to happen in just you know the last four or five years. It takes time. But the overall arcing message is a good one. But the delivery is a little too aggressive. And right now, America is not there yet, but they will get there. Jenny, you agree with that? I mean, I, it, it, I, I think what, I just heard a bunch of word salad. I mean, what is the point of everything that he said? Well, inequality? What it, I mean, what it, what it says is you're, you're saying that. cities to cities. Well, look, if you want to talk about inequality, you can see the migration out of blue states, massive, massive migration out of blue states into red states. Why? Because they know where they're treated fairly. They know where they're treated as real humans and Americans and not shuttered and locked down and kids masked and out of school and remote learning and you name it. You know, they know where they're respected. They know where their money's respected. So if you want to talk about inequality between cities and things like that happening, just go ahead. Look at the migration numbers. I mean, that tells the story. People will move where they are respected. And it's out of Democrat strongholds. That's what's happening. I think the Democrats can't answer for any of that. Also... We haven't talked about COVID yet and, and Omicron, but my question to you is, uh, and I, it comes back to you, Rush, because uh, this was one thing that the voters voted for because they thought that Joe Biden was going to be able to improve it and make it better. Uh, it doesn't appear that he knows how to make it better. And even in some of the administrative things that, you know, maybe you'd give the government a little slack, like testing, they don't seem to be sharp when it comes to their message about testing. Do you, do you acknowledge that, that it's you know, not as, great? As, and it may sound like I'm being this Homer Democrat, but no, the fact is this. Every move, because of the fact that this COVID-19, something that is a federal emergency, has become politicized and it's become polarizing, people are always willing to discredit whoever is in office. And that's a huge problem. It happened when it came to Donald Trump. It ha- it's happening Biden now when it comes to Joe Biden. And, Biden and, and, and said here's he the would thing. solve Hold it. Hold on a second now. <laughs> and yes, and it takes time to solve it because right now there are variants that are <laughs> happening and it is simply unpredictable. It is. Who saw Omicron coming? Nobody saw. And no matter who's in office, even should even someone have seen it. But, but, should some, but the question is this. But there is access. You, nobody could tell me right now that when it comes to getting vaccinated, it is well documented. You have to get up and you have to make that appointment. You have to go to CVS. You have to go to Walgreens. To say that it's not available but, is absurd. But it wait. is available. People have to get vaccinated. Well, no, okay, but, wants, but, but, anybody no, who no, wanted no, to get vaccinated could have gotten vaccinated by now. The fact is... The other people have had it. They've had natural immunity. They can read too. They don't trust the science. So you're saying it does? Don't no, like it. the science is they there. If they don't, they don't trust, trust it, it's it. because they're misinformed. There's people oh. that are putting lies no. out there. No, because it's because it does work. No, it's Rush, Rush, Rush. It's because real doctors. Rush, Rush. When it comes to uh, COVID and COVID-19, let's just talk about what the government. Okay. Quotes are on government. And it's the government headed by Donald Trump and it's the government headed by Joe Biden. And it is the government that has a there's a singular voice there. That singular voice uh, is 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 the good doctor. And and my question to you is when the first message is you don't need masks, and then all of a sudden from the from the government that's saying the CDC that's saying you don't need masks, suddenly masks are required. And then there was a period when double masking was suggested. And then there was a period when masks weren't that important. And now everybody's got to wear masks, but not just wear a mask. Now we're going to tell you the type of mask. 
So the fact that, that, that the government, our government, and Dr. Fauci, this goes back to Trump, we're talking about masks. Everybody thought, n- nobody in the government was saying, oh, by the way, we don't really mean cloth masks. Now it's two years later, cloth masks, forget them. It's the M90, the K95. It's a specific type of mask. Why didn't our government know two years ago that if you were going to, if you were going to get to the point where you were going to urge masks, why were they not urging K95 masks? Why are they doing it now after this up and down, the yin and the yang? It 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 makes the spokesman for government, and I'm talking, it, it it could be Fauci, and it could be the people that surrounded Fauci at CDC when Trump was in charge and, and with Biden in charge, they're confusing. I mean, I, I listen to some of these recommendations and it's like ridiculous. Yes. And then you've got, and, and now the next thing is home testing. Oh, and now we're gonna have home tests. Video, I, I but you, if you wanted to count, you gotta video yourself doing the home test yeah, to I make mean, sure it was you who took the test. I mean, it, it's it, ridiculous. It, it, it is ridiculous. And again, we're at a point now where you can you can get free COVID testing allegedly, it's free COVID testing. You get a free COVID test on a Monday. It says one thing, and six days later it may something say something else. <laughs> yeah, well, what about three days later? What are you supposed to do there, Jeannie? Don't test. First of all, don't test. Okay, if if you're feeling really awful, uh, go stay ahead, home. stay home. Just stay home. So don't test. Don't get vaccinated. Right. Don't wear masks. Is that? Hey, is, are you going deal. on record? Jeannie Ives right here and saying, don't va- that's what you're saying. Don't put on a mask. Don't vaccinate. Don't test. Oh, my gosh. That means you don't care. That is not true. It that is, is absolutely true. right. You don't, you don't care. Let everybody just on, kill each other. Oh, oh, my heavens. That's, you that's what you're telling me. And you're, you're, telling, you're telling your you audience are, as well. No, you're way over the top. We've we got a break. We've got a break. I'm Bruce Dumont. For two Back years shortly with another Lied full to. hour. Don't go away. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. 
Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our number two of Beyond the Beltway. Thanks very much for joining us. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Charles Stewart from MIT, and we're going to be talking about voting rights. But again, uh, uh, as we went off the air in hour number one, there was a real battle going on between our guests, uh, Jeannie Ives and Rush Darwish, and it was over COVID and what each of them feels about COVID. So let me let me state, give me your official position on COVID. Give me your 30-second elevator speech on COVID genie Ives. Americans have been lied by the bureaucracy <clears throat> and politicians about almost every aspect of COVID policy for two years now. And it's unfortunate. You've got a, a scientist being um, silenced. You've got doctors being silenced. You've got people who have different medical protocols that they want to put in place to solve this. They're being silenced too. You have people having to go to court just to get a standard as treatments that they want it's it's wrong so we've been lied to about covid so it's up to you if you want to get vaccinated go ahead and get vaccinated but the idea that all this testing is necessary is garbage the idea that omicron obviously it spreads more every i don't know a single family in my circle that didn't get somebody sick was was sick with omicron over the christmas holidays so it, it spreads but it's not that uh, virulent it's not that bad so look you protect yourself you protect your family yourself. The biggest thing is nobody has talked about decreasing comorbidities, which Walensky admitted 75% of the COVID tests were, had four or more comorbidities. What does that tell you? Get a healthy lifestyle. And that has not been emphasized by anybody, by anybody. So that is the problem. We've been lied to and students, kids, the most vulnerable population have had the biggest impact on this. And it's wrong. They have been treated miserably for the last two years okay. by the bureaucrats. Okay. You use no you, you use the word lie. I, I just want to focus on this, and then I want to go to Rush. You said lie. Yes. Uh, when I was giving my litany before the break, I talked about, 
you know, the, the fact that initially they didn't suggest that face masks were important and then they became important and now it's two years later and it's a specific type of face mask that everybody wants. That's the lies we're talking about. Do you about. think, or was, was that, when you look back on, on the statement of the CDC and, and, and Dr. Fauci, was that a lie or was that the best information to communicate to the public at the time he himself admits it was a lie he himself admits that he said that just to save face masks for those who had to be in um in, in hospital settings so he admits that it's so a that's lie. not a lie it, it, but no it's a I, lie I, I wouldn't i'm sorry what, what, it's a lie uh, what i would say it was it wasn't the whole truth oh, i don't but, know whether i would say know, it was a lie but whatever it's a lie. Look, we were told that these <clears throat> vaccines are the silver bullet, that, you know, it's going to stop the okay. spread and all that. Never happened. Didn't happen, in fact. Okay. We were told that they were safe. They haven't been proven to be safe. I know a number of people have had adverse re- uh, reactions personally. So Okay. Rush, give us your, your position, your white paper on, on COVID. Don't listen with all due respect to folks out there like Jeannie Ives that are literally <laughs> telling you to not get vaccinated, to not wear a mask, and to not help people like Bruce my mom, my dad, and other folks, if you are wearing a mask, if you are vaccinated, that is the right decision to make for you, your family, and that's your best way of protecting others. Nobody is saying that COVID-19 can still be dangerous, and nobody's saying that it's not evolving, where different strengths are coming up. However, your best chances of staying healthy for you, your family, friends, loved ones, is to stay vaccinated. Now, Jeannie wants to say that these bureaucrats or Dr. Fauci is a liar. He's not a liar. Just like many other doctors and specialists in this country and around the world, it's gathering new information and understanding that this is an evolving virus. It is dangerous and we must listen. If you don't trust Dr. Fauci, talk to your own doctor. But I promise you, if you have a doctor that is qualified, they are gonna tell you to get vaccinated and make sure you're wearing a mask. And if anyone is telling you not to do that, Watch out, look out, and if anybody is a liar trying to hurt you, it's folks that are not giving you that message right now. Okay, well, let me just say that, that I, have, I have had COVID twice. I have comorbid morbidities. I have, uh, I, I believed the government when they said, if you get COVID, uh, you're going to have the antibodies. So I got the antibodies, and I believed it. And then I got it again, and then I took the vaccine, and then I took the booster. And last week, 10 days ago, they said I had COVID again after traveling <laughs> to California. And, and again, so last week, I, I, I was in isolation all week. I'm doing the program this evening because they said, if you feel better, it's gone. So that's fine. I've been given the, the good housekeeping seal of approval. I went to one of these uh, instant uh, you know, testing centers mm-hmm. in my building. And they said that I was okay. So my question to you is, uh, I've done everything that the government has asked me to do, and yet I still have had it. Is it just because of the comorbidities? And by the way, I was even at home, in my home, with a mask last week, because that's what the doctor told me to do. So I have been the perfect patient but you know what? I am very reluctant to believe anything that the government is telling me because I'm, I'm wondering, why didn't they tell me about an M90K95 mask two years ago? I think the government, I think the people could have been smarter even two years ago 
if Fauci and, and Donald Trump would have said, we are withholding certain masks mm. because the, the medical community needs them first, and then they're going to be made to the general public. But you know what? They didn't give that message because they didn't believe that the American people could accept it. Does anybody disagree with that, just that point? Why didn't they tell us the whole truth then? That's why I don't think it was a lie, Jeannie. It just wasn't the whole truth. Well, he lied about the Wuhan <clears throat> lab stuff. De- definitely, I mean, definitely, definitely about He that. lied about that. I mean, <clears throat> they lied about the vaccines. They lied about I, I don't know where we're hearing that. So, Jeannie, are you saying right I'm now, saying if you, you're, if you're saying old. that the study, <clears throat> studies show that not only do vaccines save lives, God forbid, even if you get COVID-19, the reason why in December and now in January the hospitals are full, it's not for the people that are on the vaccine. It's the people who did not take the vaccine. They are the ones that are receiving the brunt force of COVID-19. That's where the deaths are coming from. If if you are vaccinated right now, they're not the ones who are passing away. The people who are passing Um, away are the ones who are not vaccinated. Not vaccinated. You're wrong on that. No, I'm not. I can point to specific weeks in the state of Illinois with the data that I watch where the uh, over 50 percent of the people who died that week were vaccinated i, I don't know about that i think we, we, we're admitted, gonna have to take a break Hochul, and mm-hmm. first of all a lot of this data is you know 75 percent i'm genie uh, you just genie you're gonna have to There's forgive me when it comes to vaccinations when it comes to vaccinations your credibility on this show right now with me and many people is at zero because you don't believe in vaccination i believe in you don't believe in it you just said it you don't believe it for those who are vulnerable i believe we are all vulnerable we are all no you don't know who's Vulnerable and who isn't vulnerable? Okay, anybody could be Israeli vulnerable. Israeli study. We got a natural po- immunity twenty-seven times better than the than uh, having a vaccine. Better we protection. Ha- we have to pause, Fritz. Right, we got to pause. We have to pause, and when we come back, I promise we're not going to talk about COVID anymore tonight. Tonight, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Charles Stewart. He probably knows more about elections and voting than anyone that we've had on this program, perhaps ever. 30 years at MIT, he's going to share his knowledge with everybody when we come back live from here and live from Boston, Massachusetts. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back, and uh, one of the big issues of this past week has been the issue of voting rights and the president's strong uh, concern that voting rights is the next and uh, most important thing this uh, nation must address. And uh, that made us uh, think of a guest we had on this program about a year ago, and that is Professor Charles Stewart III, and he is a political science professor at MIT. He's been there for 30-plus years, and uh, Charles, uh, nice to have you with us on Beyond the Beltway tonight. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'd like to begin by getting some really basic uh, things said, but... Of all the things that have been said and written about voting uh, rights and whether or not the voting rights have been taken away from certain people in this country, uh, based on everything that's going on in about 25 or 30 states, what is it, what's the most important thing that voters should know about some of the changes that are taking place in the way we vote and the way we count our votes? Yeah, you know, um, so the first thing I'm going to say is I'm a bit of an iconoclast in answering a question like this, because I think that both Democrats and Republicans have been hyperbolic mm -hmm. in um, addressing issues of election reform. Um, I think so. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, the second thing I'll say is that I think without a doubt, there's tremendous um, disagreement at the state level over access to um, polling places, to absentee ballots and those sorts of things. Um, um, great deal of, of disagreement about how to um, set the balance between access to the polls and security of, um, of elections. Um, and so this is, and this is setting up um, many state legislatures engaging in um, legislative activity, um, red states um, by and large restricting 
um, voting in blue states expanding it. And by the way, that's not that's a story that's not really been picked up. But um, a bunch of states, my own Massachusetts, Illinois, um, other places, I'm expanding um, voting access. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final thing I'll say is that, um, um, you know, the last segment was was arguing over over the facts about COVID. And I think that um, it's certainly the case in red states, there have been efforts to restrict access to the polls. Um, and, um, you know, we could argue, we could talk about why that is. Um, but I think both Democrats and Republicans overestimate the degree to which um, election administration laws in the short term actually affect how many people come to the polls. Um, um, research, um, I mean, the best research I've seen suggests that at most, um, a very strict voter ID law, um, you know, elect, um, laws like that might shave a fraction of a percent off of voter, um, um, voter turnout. That the things that really drive voter turnout and affect the the, um, the composition of the electorate um, is what the campaigns do, what they do to reach out to voters, the types of messages they have, the type of mobilization drives that um, that they engage in, um, and those are not being affected by these laws. And so I think um, so. Again, um, if you listen to the parties, it's either reform all the time or voter suppression all the time. But I think though, if you were to step back and to be dispassionate about this, we have legislators from the two parties playing to their strongest partisans, trying to demonstrate that they're they're serious about access or reform. And um, it remains to be seen whether come election day, November 2022 or 2024, the most extreme outcomes that are being predicted, um, pro and con, will actually um, come to pass. Mm -hmm. Would you say that for each party, uh, they are far more concerned about some form of advantage over some level, balanced playing field? Oh, I, I think that's that's pretty clear. Um, and for somebody like me, I mean, that's that's really unfortunate. I'm, I'm a good government sort of person mm-hmm. who likes to be driven by the facts. And 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 um, you know, myself believe in the balance, um, you know, striking the balance between access and and security. Mm-hmm. But if you, it's clear if you look at the rhetoric and the composition of the laws that what's driving the two parties is trying to, um, you know. Tilt the I mean, tilt the the playing field either in favor of or their own side or trying to block the other side from what's perceived um, to be a um, an advantage by for instance voting by mail which is being seen as as a democratic advantage mm-hmm. which is not um, but you know you know there's some Republicans who've, who've come out and said you know look if we don't um, tighten up on um, on vote by mail. There's no way we can um, win in the future. In fact, Donald Trump has said that. Um, and so, you know, the politicians are are saying these sorts of things and, and casting it in terms of partisan advantage, um, which I don't think the evidence um, bears out. Did you did you just say that there is no evidence that voting by mail would would be in reality an advantage to the Democrats? 
Do you have research that indicates right. now, that? Yeah, you know, the thing is, yes. So um, um, colleagues of mine at Stanford University um, during the 2020 election um, did some very careful analysis of the laws that occurred before 2020 um, when states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon um, rolled out and Utah, by the way. So we have a you know, we have a Republican. We have we have we have a we have a red state there rolled out um, voting by mail gradually. And so we could actually observe as different states adopted the, the plan. Um, we could observe turnout and we could observe, um, you know, the relative Democratic and Republican balance in the various counties. Mm -hmm. And it was as if it was an experiment in these states. And that research showed that as vote by mail was, was rolled out in these states, there was no, there was a small turnout increase and it was by and large balanced DNR. Now that's different from what we observed in 2020, mm -hmm. where Democrats, you know, <laughs> were happy to take the, the happy to take the, the, um, the absentee ballot and Republicans insisted on voting in person, okay? But that was elite driven, right? That was Democrats saying, you gotta vote by mail. And it was Republicans saying, voting by mail is, is, is prone to, to, um, to fraud. You know, but if you, it, if you step back, you remove this partisan plumping for the different modes and observe what voters do when they're just given the choices to use one vote, one but professor, vote but professor in in California, I mean they got the they got the most publicity, uh, and the change that they made right. is they mailed out ballots unsolicited by voters to to all the registered voters allegedly, and uh, so people were receiving a ballot even if they didn't ask for one, and that was one point that the Republicans said. Uh, to them was foul. I mean, what can you tell us specifically about California in 2020? And was there any abuse or perceived abuse uh, or, or finger on the scale of balance uh, in California in 2020? <clears throat> um, well, certainly there's been charges of abuse um, yeah. by Republicans um, in California, but I've seen no evidence of abuse, widespread abuse or evidence of um, fingers on the scale in California. It should be said, by the way, that, Republic, that, that California already had a history of automatically, um, automatically mailing ballots to many of their, many of their voters. Mm -hmm. There are some counties in California that already for many years, uh, mostly in kind of the rural, more Republican parts of the state, that had been automatically mailing ballots to all of their voters already. Most California voters were already on the permanent voter um, absentee ballot list. So most California voters were already getting mail ballots. So the expansion of mail ballots was not all that great in California in 2020. Um, and um, it wasn't much more of a, it wasn't any more of a stretch in California than it was in Utah when they finally went from 
quasi vote by mail to all vote by mail mm -hmm. or Washington state when they went from almost all vote by mail to all vote by mail. In most states, and I'd say California is one of the relatively good examples. Most states that have gone to all vote by mail have done so, have done so gradually, which is what we saw in California. Any history of That's quite different than what they did. Any history of skullduggery by those states? And, and tampering or, or questioning of the final results? Not, again, um, I, mean, cert I mean, certainly in the, in the current environment, there have been Republicans who have claimed that there was skullduggery um, in those states, but, but it hasn't been borne out by any criminal investigations or other investigations of, of, of large-scale fraud. There has been fraud in California, um, mm -hmm. But it hasn't been um, mail ballot fraud. It's, um, you know, it's been cases of, you know, bribery in small city elections and those sorts of things, but not widespread um, mail ballot fraud in, in California. No. Mm -hmm. When we come back, we do have to break here, but when we come back, I want to also talk about harvesting. Uh, that's that's another, uh, at least, tactic or, or, or device that was used in California. It got a lot of publicity. Republicans think that, that it's, it's it's the work of the devil. When we come back, I want to talk about, um, uh, about that, harvesting of ballots, uh, where it takes place. And the other big question I want to talk about is voter IDs. That's the other big issue in, in, uh, in Georgia. I want to find about how many states actually require a photo ID. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? 
It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is really uh, a warpath against her and everything. Bruce Dumont back on the air. Hopefully, uh, everyone hears what I have to say. And uh, in the studio with us, uh, Charles uh, Stewart, uh, we have uh, Jeannie Ives, a Republican, and Rush Darwish, a Democrat. And uh, they each have a question or comment for you. And uh, we're going to start with uh, Jeannie Ives. Jeannie? Great to talk with you, Mr. Stewart. I appreciate your expertise in this area. Um, it, here's my conundrum. Uh, the, honestly, the voter rolls are very dirty. So there's a lot of voters who have moved, who have died, mainly moved voters who just don't live there anymore. And so they're getting access to the ballot because of that. So that is one issue. Another issue that comes out of this is that in the terms of counting votes, and I know that you also have expertise in the, in the actual machinations of counting those votes, actual machines, um, in, you know, counties, you can find more ballots cast than voters that the election clerk can give you names of. That is a problem, especially in close elections. Don't you think that those roles should be a perfect match as if it were your bank account? We should be able to put a ballot to a voter. Charles? That number should match is what I'm saying. Charles? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of things. First of all, on, on people people moving really, really quickly. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about, co- co- so Colorado is the state, I think, is which is the kind of paradigmatic vote by mail state. And one of the interesting things about Colorado is that because everyone who's registered gets a, gets a ballot for every election. And also Colorado... Um, is sending um, information and confirmation and, and, and voter pamphlets constantly to voters. Every voter is getting mail five, six, seven, eight times a year from their county. Um, that process makes those rolls really, really clean. And that's a detail of administering vote by mail system that I think is oftentimes overlooked. The importance of that is overlooked both by supporters and opponents and certainly i would say supporters of vote by mail is the cleanliness of the ballots with respect um, i'm sorry um, cleanliness of the voter list so it's really important with respect to having more um ballots than voters um um you know i'm not aware of that being a a a significant problem in many in many places um i know that there are times in um, in the unofficial counts where um, you might get more ballots than you have um, people checked off in the rolls. Um, the purpose of a canvas is to reconcile the two. Um, and I know in the 2020 election, those cases where there were supposedly, you know, a great meal, great many more 
ballots than there were people who were checked off the rolls ended up being a matter of, of, um, of an error by the clerks. Now, having said that, um, it is true that in some states, some states are better than that, better at the accounting than others. That's absolutely true. Um, Michigan has historically, for instance, had problems of so-called balancing between the number of ballots they have and the number of people they check off mm -hmm. the rolls. Um, and I, you know, I have no, I have no beef with folks who say you have to be really clear and balancing the ballots and checking off the list. However, at the end of the day, we know there will be mistakes. Um, there will be, you know, the voter who scoots out um, without being checked off, the inattentive um, election clerk. And that's why in close elections, right, we try to account for literally every ballot. And it's my experience watching a lot of elections that by and large, the two balance out almost all the time. Okay. Do you need follow-up? So a quick follow-up here. Uh, your yeah. position would be, though, that they should balance. They should, the clerk should be able to give you the name of voters who voted, and that should balance to the number of ballots cast. It should be. So then the, the question happens, occurs, what happens when they don't balance? And some state, look, look I mean, reasonable people will disagree about what you do when they don't balance, especially when they don't balance in small amounts. What if they um, don't and we balance know by 1,600 votes? No, look, we know it's like 160 million voters and 100,000 precincts and a million people working those precincts, that there will be mistakes. And there will be cases where the number of ballots are slightly more than the number checked off the list. So then the question is, what do you do in those cases? There are some states that actually will randomly pull out ballots and not count them. There will be other states that will accept the difference and will, but requires the people running a polling place to write down what they think it, uh, um, accounts for that difference. And if mm. there's adjudication, if there's a challenge, if there's a recount, then that matter is looked at more, more, more carefully. Mm -hmm. but, my, but my point is those instances are rare. Um, and, um, and, but they are certainly magnified in recounts and in close elections. I that's, want to go, that's, to be, that's, that's uh, for sure. Rush has got a comment, but I, w I want to ask one follow-up because you mentioned uh, Colorado and because they communicate with the voters right. more often than other states, Obviously, I think there is a cost to that, a mailing cost and some administrative cost. Would you say that that's one thing that a state could do to improve the quality of their lists is to have something similar to Colorado? Are you, are you, would you recommend that as something that other states could do and they would be, they'd be a little you know, closer in line, at least on the issue of cleansing the voter rolls? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a number of ways in which you could be closer to Colorado. One would be, um, and this is the most controversial, mailing a ballot to every registered voter. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's a less controversial. It, it is costly. Yeah. But um, having more mailings to voters, um, for instance, and putting a return um, 
um, request on that mailing. Yeah. To have it bounce back to the to the to, to the voting office. There are ways of of making the the list um, cleaner. Absolutely. Okay, Rush Darwish has got a comment. Mr. Stewart, first of all, you're awesome. It seems like <laughs> you and Bruce are the only people of 2022 that are unfiltered and are really just looking for facts <laughs> and, and don't slant one way or the other. But when I think about voting in today's age, I find it to be out of date, obsolete, and is nowhere near where it needs to be when it comes to our technology. Here I got a phone that has facial recognition, and I'm actually able to transfer money, pay bills, and do a lot of other things uh, with the technology that's provided. How could it be that both sides, Democrats and Republicans, aren't willing to update the way we vote? And more importantly, it feels like the reason why at least most Republicans, and that's why in states that are Republican states, are putting these strict voter laws to make sure that we keep it the way it is, the old way. And that affects black and brown neighborhoods. Would you at least agree, or what is your belief, I should say, that the reason why this is happening and the reason we're not evolving is because Republicans are terrified of black and brown voters? <laughs> well, I think, that, I, think there, I think there's two issues that you, brought, you bring up. One is technology and modernizing how we vote, and the other is why um, parties would want to restrict the electorate. In terms of modernizing the vote, look, I mean, I study, um, I study elections nationwide, and one of the things I, you easily conclude is that voters and state legislators everywhere believe that the way they do it in their state or locality is the only way to do it and everywhere else is corrupt. And so I think there is a tremendous amount of conservatism everywhere. And it doesn't matter whether it's a blue state or a red state. Um, I mean, New York, which is as blue a state as, as it is, is probably the most stick in the mud state with respect to how you vote. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we can argue in New York is because they've been trying to keep black and brown voters from the polls, okay? So, so that's, that's one thing. Having said, I mean, having said that, um, you know, I do, I mean, I am convinced that in Southern states, um, trying to, I mean, especially in states with, with histories of disfranchisement, there are elements in those states that are trying to keep the electorate um, kind of traditional and white mm -hmm. um, to help Republicans these days. Yep. Back in the 1960s, it was to help Democrats in those states. Um, and so, I mean, there are vestiges of racism um, around the country, and we have to be clear-eyed about that. Um, mm -hmm. But um, having said that, the um, racial animus or those sorts of things is not the only reason. It is a reason we need to be we need to be clear about it and 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 sensitive to it. But it is not the only reason why legislators would want to um, have barriers uh, or be reluctant to. Um, expand um, access to the polls on every dimension possible. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things... How's that for being right down the middle? Good, good. Man, that was well played. What, well played. One of the things that, that uh, I'm interested in is, first of all, I'm happy that we're discussing this uh, three years away from a uh, another presidential election because, and I, 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 I was not aware of what they do in Colorado, but I like the idea. Not that they send out unsolicited uh, ballots, 
but that they have a they have a variety of of devices and communications in place with the voters because in most states including Cook County Illinois where we do this program you only hear about voting you know like right before election day and either either it's a message from a candidate or it's the county board you know telling or the the voting uh, precinct telling you where to go to vote you, you, they send out your voter card so i like the idea that there's greater communication it would cost more money but maybe it's a better investment and we would be more happy with the results if we had greater confidence that starts with uh, some advanced planning. Back shortly. Don't go away. Song again. Yay. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Yay. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Yay! Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest, and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
Bruce Dumont back, and we've got callers on the line for Professor Stewart and uh, Rush and Jeannie. Uh, let's go to uh, Ted in Fort Wayne, Indiana, listening to us on line one tonight. Go ahead, Ted. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Uh, first, I just wanted to mention while well, your Democrat guest said that the Democrats were against uh, illegal uh, immigration, the president ordered ICE not to arrest people in the country illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, but as to the voting rights law, it seems to be a, a solution looking for a problem. Every time there is voting reform, there are claims that this is going to suppress the vote. Is there any actual proof that these laws do? Not that they could, they do suppress the vote. Is there any data on that at all? Professor? The question that goes to the heart of the matter. So let me. T- so let, let me tell you what um, the best research is, and I'm actually. You're going in and out, the professor, uh, with the uh, mute button uh, there. So uh, I see your lips moving, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, how, how is that now? Much better. Let's let's uh, try okay it again. now from the top. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So the the, the, um, the the caller, so the caller's um, question goes to the heart of the matter. Um, so let me tell you what I think that the best um, academic research on the on the matter tells us. Um, and um, the best research um, comes up with what I always call the the one percent finding, and which is to say that in almost every election reform you can think about, and that's um, you know voter ID or um, um, automatic voter registration or election day registration or kind of these big these are sending a ballot to everybody these big reforms the most you can get is maybe an increase in turnout of maybe one percent and a very in the very best study on the on the, the issue say of um of voter id laws a couple of years ago found that the imposition of strict voter ID laws around the country had no effect on turnout. Now, why did it have no effect on turnout? One of the reasons it had no effect on turnout is because there was also evidence in that study that the voters who were the most affected by these laws, people of color, poor people, young people, people who move around a lot, they were contacted much more often by the campaigns after these strict laws were passed. So what happens is, um, so thing number one is they, these laws are barriers. The campaigns and the parties recognize their barriers and they turn around and they redouble their effort to mobilize the voters who are disadvantaged by these laws. So the net result is no effect on turnout, but it's not because there's no effect of the laws. It is harder to vote for some voters. It's that the parties and the candidates redouble their efforts to get those voters to the polls. Um, and so, you know, so, you know, it, it's kind of on the one hand, on the other. On the one hand, it is harder to vote. There is evidence of that. On the other hand, the campaigns um, 
end up shifting resources in order to mobilize the, those voters. Now, whether they should have to shift those resources to mobilize those voters, that's a matter of public policy about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But thus far, we haven't seen a reduction in turnout as a consequence of strict voter ID laws, for instance. That makes me believe that some of these other vote, other, other laws we're seeing right now in the short term will unlikely have effects on turnout as well. But that's also because the campaigns are likely to, you know, adjust their strategies and try to get those voters who are being disadvantaged to the polls nonetheless. What um, do we know why people don't vote? Have you done research for systemic people who don't vote, why they don't vote? Do you know that? So here's the thing. I, I think this is the most important. And there's been a lot of there's been a lot of um, research on this. And actually, kind of the surprising thing is why do people vote in the first place? Right. Uh -huh. I mean, you're you're one vote among tens of millions and all those <clears> sorts <throat> of things. Um, but um, so there's that puzzle about why people vote at all. And they tend to vote at all because they're um, they like consuming. They, they're either good citizens or they like consuming politics. Um, but to answer your question more directly, um, this is the way I put it. If you were to look, so the United States is, is famous for having relatively low turnout rates mm -hmm. um, um, worldwide compared to other, other um, democratic nations. If you look at our adults, 35 and older, their turnout rates are the same as the rest of the world. So the first thing is that our deficit in turnout is among young people. Now, why are young people? There's something about American young people that's different from young people in other parts of the world. They're incredibly mobile. And not only that, that it's on them to register whenever they move. And so um, I would argue that, um, that the big reason why people don't vote who might vote is because they're young, they're moving around, they don't know, you know, they don't have the state coming to register them, which is the norm in the rest of the mm -hmm. world. And it takes them a few years. I mean, anyone who's had kids in their 20s it takes them a few years to figure out how to adult. And um, once they register and they start registering in the late 20s, they stay registered. Um, and which is one of the reasons why when people ask me, how do we increase um, voter turnout and engagement? Um, if we norm ourselves against the rest of the world, it's obvious that you do something to register people um, automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why the Democrats, that's why that. the Democrats have routinely had a get out the vote or, or, or a, a voter registration for uh, young people and working with MTV and obviously other youth related uh, uh, organizations. Listen, uh, on, on that note, I know uh, Rush and Jeannie both have uh, more questions for you, but uh, the music is a plan. That means uh, that we are through for this week. Our thanks to Rush Darwish. And Jeannie Ives, who joined me in studio. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman, who helped produce this program. And a special thanks to Professor Charles Stewart III of MIT, an expert in political science and elections. Professor, thank you very much. Again, a great, uh, a great lesson tonight. This is the story of a very special woman. Of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. 
she could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack, cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.